Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. We long for good news, especially after the news has been bad. I've been touched and interested in the hurricane that struck the Bahamas, especially because we have two EPC churches on the island that was hardest hit. So I've watched with some interest the uh, rescue and the recovery efforts. I saw a scene played out on TV where a grandmother just heard the good news because she got a call from the Coast Guard saying that your son is on a, your grandson is on a chopper and we are taking him to be with you in Nassau. She thought that he was lost and dead. And so when they saw each other on the tarmac of the airport, there were tears of joy and great reunion. Good news. Now in the time of Jesus, the news was bad. The Romans occupied their country. They were brutal rulers. People were being taxed to death. They were losing houses and property. They had set up a puppet king named Herod who would react violently to even the slightest threat. The prophet John the Baptist had criticized him for sleeping with another woman, and he had thrown John in prison, and John was loved and highly regarded by the people. And so into this environment, Jesus comes preaching the good news. The word he uses, euangelion, it means good news, and it also means gospel. We've been using an illustration of this word when we talked about when the Greeks defeated the Persians on the plains of Marathon. And after that victory, they sent a runner who ran 26 miles from Marathon to Athens saying, You Angelion, good news, the Greeks have prevailed. That was good news, because if the Persians had prevailed, then the people of Athens would either be slaughtered or would have to scatter away from their city. And so Jesus came preaching. Euangelion, good news. Now that word is the same word used for gospel. Sometimes it's translated good news, sometimes it's, it's translated gospel, it's, but it's the same thing. 
Now, when we think of the gospel, we think, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and if we believe that, then we're saved and we get to go to heaven when we die. But that's not the euangelion Jesus was preaching because there was no cross yet. It would later become part of the message. But here's the gospel he was preaching. One, an aspect of it that I think we need to recover. And here was the good news. The kingdom of God has come. The time is fulfilled. Now the prophets had been predicting this time, looking forward to it. And now Jesus is saying, the time is here. The time is now. The kingdom of God has come. Now to the Jewish mind, they're thinking, oh, good. We're going to overthrow the Romans. But Jesus wasn't talking about a, a political overthrow. He was talking about overthrowing the government in our own hearts. Because you see, we like to rule ourselves. And our rule, it's been shaped by the world, the evil one, and our own sinful nature. And so this kingdom of God would confront human hearts first. And this is where real change needs to happen. A nation and a people aren't changed by a change in government. Right? Look, we have a change in government every four years. Has it touched people's hearts? No. First, the government of our hearts need to change before any real change comes to a people or a nation. And so Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And so Jesus confronts our own self-rule with his. And we realize his way hasn't been my way. He thinks differently than I do. He wants me to do things I normally haven't done. He wants me to leave behind some things I have done and live differently, to live under his rule. And if Jesus comes to us as king, then we have to submit to his rule. Not, I'll follow your rule if it agrees with mine. Suppose a child said that to his or her parents. Mom, Dad, I'll do what you say as long as I want to do it. That's self-rule, not the parents ruling. And so when we say that of Christ, Jesus, I'll do what you want as long as I want to do it. That is self-rule, and it is not allowing Jesus to be king in our lives. The rule of Christ happens in our hearts first. And then the rule becomes visible. Christ, through the Spirit, will confront our thoughts, our ways of seeing things, our values. 
and then we need to repent of our ways. Now, we've said that repent means to change our mind or change our direction. If we've been living some way or thinking some way, to repent means no, Jesus says this, so I will go the other way. I will change my thinking, change my attitude, change my ways. This is the repentance that leads to life. And when this change of heart starts to happen and we start living it, then the kingdom of God becomes visible. People start to see it. And then when other people who have also repented come together, then they join the king in saving and remaking the world. In the book series and in the movie series, The Chronicles of Narnia, the story begins with uh, animals living in a world that is cold and dark and frozen ruled by an evil witch. But then they begin to hear some good news in the midst of this darkness. Aslan is on the move. Aslan, the king, has come. And as they believe this good news, they join forces with Aslan to overcome and reverse the rule of the evil witch. Now C.S. Lewis wrote this story to give us a picture of the advance of the kingdom of God. So when people join Jesus in his work, the work of the evil one is undone. And we saw this when Jesus was on earth. Every demon he cast out was an assault on the rule of the evil one. Every person he healed was a reversing of the fall. Every outcast he embraced shouted to all the kingdom of God is gracious and loving. We join Jesus in this work. And so when a group of people living under the rule of the king see in the world hunger, well, then they try to feed the hungry. We did this last week. We packed over 117,000 meals, and they're being shipped to South Sudan, probably the most famine-stricken nation on the earth right now. When they see poverty, the, the kingdom people try to do something about it. We're doing that at IASIS. A community center has been built. People are being educated in, in budgets and, and are giving, being given job skills and ministry is releasing people from their addictive behaviors. People are being transformed. And when kingdom people see a people in darkness, they want to bring the light of the gospel there. We're doing that in Macedonia. An ethnic Albanian population of about a million does not have a single church among them. And so we intend to plant a church there. We have three church planting families in Macedonia. And when a refugee community showed up in Wichita, people from the Congo, 
got transplanted here into Wichita with nothing but here's an apartment for you. When we first heard about them there, it was the month of December. They were living in their house with all these jackets on because they didn't know how to turn on the heat. Well, we taught them how to live in Kansas. You know, you need heaters and uh, don't use umbrellas because they get ruined in the wind. And, and we taught them some other things and we mentored their kids and, and we offered some of them jobs and we taught them ESL classes. When they needed a place to worship, we said, you're welcome here. Now they have grown so much. We're gonna plant them in another spot and still continue to walk with them and bless their lives. You know, this is what I love about our church. Not only do we preach the gospel, not only do we teach solid doctrine, but we look for where the Holy Spirit is moving, and then we join him in his work, and we give a lot of our resources away so that people say, you know, when I'm the pastor of Eastminster, go, oh, Eastminster, wow, you're making a difference in the city. And when you talk to people around the world, you're saying, wow, the effect of East Minister is being felt around the world. This is what it means to be the kingdom of God, to make his kingdom visible and to advance his rule. So Jesus is preaching the good news of the kingdom. He had been preaching in Galilee for a while, so no doubt two fishermen named Simon and Andrew had heard this good news. And one day Jesus is walking by them as they were mending their nets or throwing their fishing there on the the side of the lake. And Jesus says to them, come, follow me. Now, that's how our NIV translation translates it, but in the Greek it says, come after me. That's what you would say if you wanted someone to walk with you along the road. It's the word you would use if perhaps if you were a carpenter and you were showing someone how to work wood, you'd say, come after me, and that means they would soon do what you were doing. That's what Jesus called them to. Follow me, but be with me. Listen to me. Learn from me. Do as I do. That's the definition of discipleship. Be with me. Learn from me. Do what I do. So how do we make disciples? Well, Jesus said, be with me and learn from me and then do as I do. That's, that's pretty much the discipleship formula. I attend a, a pastor's conference every January. Um, we are all EPC churches with churches over 1,000 in membership. And the head of our denomination is always with us. In one year, he said to us, brothers, adult education is not discipleship. Because Presbyterians often think of adult education as discipleship. And he told us, you've got to get to the bottom of how Christ is formed in people. 
And so we had a group at this church exploring the vision of our church at the time. And we studied what truly makes authentic disciples of Jesus. We also talked to people whom we thought were like Jesus. They had demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. We thought, yeah, you look like Jesus. You, you do the things that Jesus does. We talked to them and we asked them, how is Christ formed in you? We asked ourselves, you know, what formed Christ in us? Here was the common denominators. Everyone said, I spent time with Jesus. Everyone said, I learned God's word, and there was someone else in my life or a group in my life that I could be real with, and that person or that group encouraged me in the faith. They were with Jesus, and then they interacted with God's word in authentic community with other believers. And then they did what Jesus did. That's the discipleship formula. And so if we want to be disciples, we have to ask ourselves, okay, am I being with Jesus? Am I interacting with God's word? And do I have someone or some authentic community encouraging me in my faith? And if I can't say yes to this, then I have to ask myself, then how is Christ being formed in me? How am I growing as a disciple? Now Jesus called these men, Simon and Andrew, and then later he calls uh, James and John, come and be with me, and and he says to them, I will make you fishers of men. They were fishermen, so that's what Jesus used. I'll make you fishers of men. You'll catch men. You'll bring other people to me. And that's another thing disciples do. They're fishermen. They bring other people to Jesus. Jesus would call other men to be with him. But not all of them were fishermen, but all of them in their own way brought people to Jesus. Matthew, for example, was a a tax collector. He had a lot of shady friends, and so he threw a big party, invited his shady friends, and Jesus met with his shady friends. Now, when we talk about being fishers of men, we're like, hmm, I'm not doing that either because you don't want to do it or maybe it's just not happening. And maybe part of the reason is because you don't have any shady friends to share the gospel with. You live in a a Christian cocoon. That happens quite easily, right? My whole life is lived and all my friends are, are, are Christians, right? I encourage you to have some shady friends in your life so that you can share the gospel with them. Get out of the Christian cocoon. Other people are like, well, I'd be willing, but I don't know how. And so, to address that, you have in your worship folders a flyer. On one side, it's called the Citywide Evangelism Training. So let me tell you how this came about. We have been praying for about four years for 
revival in Wichita. Here's what revival means. It is a move of the Holy Spirit where we see great numbers of people coming to Christ. We pray for that because no one comes to Christ unless the Spirit works in them first, and so we have to pray that the Spirit works. But even these people that the Spirit is working in, they're not going to come to Christ unless they hear the message. And people who aren't in church aren't going to hear the message in church. They have to hear it from you. And so prayer and sharing faith has to be part of bringing people to Jesus. And and our evangelism plan does both. So to help on the prayer side of things, on October 6th, we are going to introduce an app to you. We're going to download it in church. It's called the All America app. You put your address in it, and up comes a, a map of your neighborhood and your nearest neighbors. Just, you know, houses. You'll push on a house, and you'll type in the names of the people who live in that house. Some people you will know, some people you will not know, but hopefully you will get to know them, and then as you do, you'll put their name in that house, and then the app reminds you, have you prayed for Bob and Judy today? And so it helps you pray for them. Now, as you pray for them, the Holy Spirit is going to um, use you to serve, to love, to give you opportunity to share the message. And so how do you do that? Well, that's what this training is. So we are bringing uh, some representatives from RZIM, that's Ravi Zacharias Ministries International, and they're gonna do an apologetics weekend for us. Apologetics means defense of the Christian faith. So on um, Saturday morning, October 5th, we're gonna talk about reasons for faith. The Christian faith really is the most rational um, way of viewing the world and life. People just don't know how to uh, explain that, but we're going to teach you how. And how do we share the gospel in this culture? Because it's different than we used to do it. And then um, that evening at um, the WSU Metroplex at 29th and Oliver, this is a time for you to bring non-Christian friends because we're going to talk about how um, faith is reasonable and that the Christian faith has actually blessed the culture. And then on Sunday, this is a time for middle school and high school students with their parents and grandparents, and we're going to teach um, our young people reasons for their faith and how to defend it. Because a lot of times, kids from church go to college, they cannot defend their faith, they don't know why they believe, and they fall away from the faith. We want to teach our kids how to defend it and know it. So um, three different events. You can go to all three. Try to at least go to one, and here's another reason why I want you to go. I'm leading the effort among the churches in Wichita, and it'll be an embarrassment to me if my church doesn't show up. (laughs) To be disciples means we are fishers of men. Disciples of Jesus are always making other disciples. Now Jesus went to Simon and Andrew, James and John, and he called out to them, follow me. 
And you're a disciple, and there was a time in your life when Jesus called you. The Holy Spirit came to you, revealed to you the truth of the gospel, and bid you, come, follow Jesus. Give him your life. And even after that initial time that Jesus called you to follow, He's always calling us to follow. Sometimes we hear his voice in church. Sometimes as we are reading the scripture. Sometimes as we are in a Bible study. Sometimes we might just be sitting at home or driving down the road and we sense the voice of the Spirit confronting our lives and saying, follow me in this. All the time. He's calling. And when he calls, say, yes, I will follow you. This is good news because the king has asked us to be with him, be taught by him, saved by him, filled with him, and join him in the mission of saving and remaking the world. We read about a good creation in the first chapter of Genesis. We read of man and woman living in paradise. In chapter 3, they are confronted with a choice. Who will be your king. And our first parents made their choice and pretty much their decision affected all of their descendants and that includes us. And here is who they chose to be their king. Myself. I will rule myself. And we have seen the disaster that has followed. It has affected us physically, spiritually, psychologically, and socially. And deep in our hearts, we long to be healed and restored. We long to see society remade because our souls have within them this memory of what it was to walk with the king in the garden. And so every culture has these stories. They're slightly different, but they're all the same in some way. The story is of a king who comes or who returns. A king who awakens his bride from her sleep of death. He slays the dragon and then he takes his bride and they live happily ever after. It's just not a story, but it actually happened in time and space and in history. The king has come. His kingdom is now. This 
is good news. Come, 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 and follow him gladly. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, every day your rule confronts our own rule. And we know how it does. So today, Lord, we want to change our thinking and our attitude and our ways. We're going to command our hearts with the help of your spirit to say, Lord, I surrender. You will be king. Lord, we invite you to send us out into the world. We're going to trust that you would lead us and give us words when the time comes, but Lord, send us out as your emissaries, announcing good news. There's one who can change your life. There's one who can redeem you. Will you allow us to be part of that, Lord? Encourage us in this. We want to see your kingdom made visible. Use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.